Hello, I am Domina Ava Savage, and this is Domina Ava After Dark. How's everybody doing tonight or today, wherever you're at? Hope you people are well, and this finds you. Today's topic, corporal punishment. We're also going to cover breath play, maybe sensory deprivation and sounding, kind of coming into this um, podcast a little bit unprepared as to what I want it all cover and that's going to be just fine because this mistress has a wealth of knowledge from experience over the years. So here we go. Um, so corporal punishment. It's a form intended to typically cause bodily harm whether that be by way of spanking, slapping, kicking, punching, mm, beating, all of that needs to be done with consent. It's consent. Otherwise, it's illegal, right? So to some of you, it may sound ghastly if you're unfamiliar with it. But to those slaves who desire it and to people who do, enduring corporal punishment may help a submissive or a person experience a release of pleasure. In the BDSM community, misogynists, or masochists rather, <laughs> I happen to be both, <laughs> enjoy pain being delivered to submissive by way of corporal punishment. So, BDSM, bondage, discipline, satanistic masochism. I would consider myself a sadist. Many people would. But in a healthy way. So I tend to get sexually aroused when I put on, when I beat somebody. What can I say? When I see somebody's pupils dilate. And I see their eyes widen. And I see them become more alive than they've ever been. Because I haven't administered some sort of pain. And if a person desires it, desires a lot of pain, and they're experienced in the realms of BDSM, then they'll get then they know full well that they get more pleasure. So the higher the pain, the higher the pleasure. Another reason why others enjoy corporal punishment is that many people on the other side find sexual pleasure from it, right? From heightened pain. Now let's talk about where to hit somebody because this is really, really, really important stuff. Okay, so if you're a baby dom out there listening or even if you want to implement some sort of BDSM within your bedroom with your partner or what have you. It's important to denote where to hit somebody because you could cause pain that is not worth it. Okay, so the kidneys on the lower back below the ribs, don't ever fucking hit anyone there. Ever, 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 ever. The kidneys are pretty close to the surface. We don't fuck with that. Ever. Not near the heart, not on the clavicle, not on the neck. No place do you hit anyone here. 
not near the eyes. <laughs> Don't do that. And probably not the back of the knees. Uh, these are all places that you want to stay away from, especially when you have like some sort of impact play. Like especially so that may impact plays to say that you're, um, you're using something that has sort of a thud action, some real impact. Uh, like it is different from like a wick. Uh, some don't consider that to be impact play. Okay. So kicking or punching, um, you know, caning. With a heavy duty cane, that's more impact play. Stay away from, like I said, obviously the face, throat, clavicle, lower back. Um, uh, <laughs> the behind the knees. Uh, these are no, you don't, you just don't hit someone there. Don't do it. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about types of weapons. In case you're new, or even if you're not, since I did mention some just now. So the cane, well, think about a cane, like old people walk with. That, but within the realms of BDSM, it's usually something that is like a switch or like a stick, like a stick. Um, I have actually gone through canes. Canes can break if you do enough hitting. I've broken a few, so I sometimes am relegated to buy bamboo from the hardware store and use that. I kind of like that. If somebody like to really be hit, it's a pain slut, which is to say they're really into pain. I pull up my bamboo for sure. And I find that really, really fun. Um, a crop is what's used uh, traditionally to hit a horse in the ass when you're riding it. It's um, long, sometimes metal um, implement with leather, like a leather sort of pat, like a leather end uh, so that you don't, um, so that you don't accidentally stick it into the horse or a person. So, yeah, a crop. Then there's a flogger. So floggers are like whips with many, many, many tips. And there's, it's really fun to have a heavy-weighted flogger and just do like an X-pattern, rhythmic um, style hit on somebody's ass or on their upper back. It's seductive. It's you can go into some sort of trance often when somebody. Um, I like to put some subs into a you know a trance. Maybe I'll have them look at a candle, concentrate on their breathing, and hit them in some sort of rhythmic patterning with a flogger in the back of their on their back or on their butt, just kind of creating like an X back and forth um, motion. Um, <clears throat> so flogger is quite fun. And then I think um, one of the more tame implements, depending on what kind of, depending on what it looks like, is a paddle. So 
Um, there's all different types of paddles. There's weighted paddles, which that can cause some impact. Uh, they have a lot, large surface area. These for just mostly hitting bums. Mostly bums. And there's not a whole lot of other use for them. I like to hit people in the inner thighs, sometimes from behind. Um, that's kind of fun. But uh, yeah, paddles, paddles uh, they cover more surface area and you know, they can be fun, but not my favorite of all BDSM weapons. Um, so I want to talk about that kind of stuff. Let's roll this into bondage. Okay, so there's many different types of bondage. I'm covering a lot today. Why not? Let's do this. We're like not even 10 minutes in. I want to inform you guys and gals with as much knowledge as possible. Because I think that's really fucking important. And that is the entire purpose of my podcast is to do that. So bondage. Well, some people really like rope. Um, Shibari is a type of bondage that was born in Japan. And it's when rope is tied around a person in a very like artistic fashion. And oftentimes that person is suspended. And the person who's tying the rope is called a rigger. And the rigger, well, they, that's a lot of schooling. That's a lot of knowledge. A rigger has a lot of knowledge on different types of rope, how to suspend somebody in an artistic way. Like I said, this was born in Japan. This is a real fetish. It's a real cool fetish, too. Because it, there's certain things about the seduction, of, like it's so seductive to see a human suspended in some sort of artistic fashion up in the air. And, you know, having a woman in this instance and her, her breast bulge in between the rope like balloons and her buttocks as well. There's something sort of peaceful about it when it's done correctly. It's very artistic. Um, and it's about, like, complete submission for the person being tied. It's really beautiful. And there's all different types of ropes. So if you are interested in rope play, um, get knowledgeable about it. There's hemp rope, there's jute, there's linen, there's cotton, there's silk, there's bamboo, there's... All different types. And and you have to be, like, if you're going to play around with rope, you know, do some reading. And certain types of rope do not go around the neck, do not, are not okay to suspend somebody with. And nor should anyone be suspending anyone with rope unless you're knowledgeable about types of knots or rope. Because if you're going to fuck around with silk rope and you're going to fuck around with the neck, you might find yourself in dire consequences, okay? Not a good idea at all. Or linen rope, no. So a certain type of rope that um, 
uh, one must be knowledge about and certain type of knots and that sort of thing if you're going to play around with rope in the bedroom. Uh, believe it or not, like there's more injury caused by way of, of bondage than there is any other area of BDSM. Bondage. That is where the most injury, the most incidences happen. It's the most dangerous. So um, with regards to myself, though, I'm a utilitarian rope dominatrix, so I'm not really interested in doing a lot of fancy rope stuff with my subs. That's That, to me, isn't something that I find enjoyable. So I don't do it. Like, I use rope as a utility. Use it, you know, to tie somebody up. But by no means am I going to invest a lot of my time or their time within session in, in tying very specific knots and using very specific ropes and making it look pretty. Uh, one sec. Oh, I had to sneeze. Um, obviously. Um, so, you know, rope is not not something I'm immensely uh, knowledgeable about, but I'm knowledgeable enough about it to um, give those discretionary advice about advisements, you know, surrounding them. So, um, <clears throat> now let's talk about sensory deprivation. So oftentimes I like to tie somebody up and blindfold them. When you take away one of the five senses, the four senses remaining are heightened. So if I'm taking away, and sometimes I like to take away more than one. So oftentimes I'll tie somebody up with rope. <laughs> um, like on their back, spread eagle leg. And uh, I'll put blindfold on once in a while, you know, if it's an experienced client. I like to put earplugs in. Sometimes not. Sometimes that, like, being able to hear things is is also, like, that's super arousing. But, and I can, I can scare people by way of hearing if they're tied down and blindfolded. But once in a while, I'll put earplugs in and I'll blindfold on somebody, um, maybe even a gig. And so they'll have to show me that, they want out of this scene, like their escape word, their safe word or safe action will be by way of maybe hands. Cause that always, there always has to be an out for a sub no matter what, right? So if a sub's not able to give you a safe word, uh, you need, you need to have some sort of agreed upon action. So, so oftentimes when I have a sub, you know, who's tied down, I'll just say like, listen, if you want out of this at any point in time, just give me you know, two thumbs down or thumb down or whatever it is, right? Um, that way we know everybody's going to be safe. And so I, I really like sensory deprivation as a BDSM activity because it's like BDSM in itself is is a type of meditation in in itself because when, when you come and see me, um, <clears throat> uh, you're not thinking about anything other than what's what's going on between me and you. Like that's why it's a type of meditation. There's there's no worry or anxiety about other stuff going on usually. Let's say over 90% of the time if I was to put a number on it. Um it's a great activity for people who have an anxious mind 
because it allows the mind to settle and focus on other things. Um, and especially if, you know, I'm, I'm doing some sort of corporal punishment, um, that activity right there will take your mind off everything and you'll have to focus on the now. So that is a meditation. Uh, so when you're, when you're being tied down and blindfolded, you have to go within. Um, you have to go within. Your mind can't, you, you can't, especially if you're blindfolded, you can't see anything. Your mind will be focused on what may happen next. And that's really cool. Like, that's why, you know, things like, you know, sensory deprivation tanks where you go and float on salt water in a dark room. Like, it almost like forces you to meditate. Um, there's certain things that force you to go within. Uh, sensory, sensory deprivation in a BDSM scene um, is, I think it's a really cool thing um, that makes you focus on your internal state. And that's very helpful with your own personal development. We all need to do that. And most of us don't carve out time for meditation. Um, this is a meditation that I'm forcing upon people, which is, which is pretty cool. I like that. So if I combine like sensory deprivation with things like, I'll combine it even with like breath play. Um, it's super arousing. Uh, for a sub to give me his or her body and let me do what I want with it, you know, within their limits. Um, that's servitude and that's devotion. And that's really, really cool experience for both parties. So, um, so yeah, <clears throat> sometimes I'll, uh, like I said, combine breath play. So whether that be by... Um, me putting like a plastic bag on somebody's head or um, suffocating them with my big butt <laughs> or um, yeah, suffocating them with it doesn't matter. Like um, there's multiple things. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really, really fun stuff. And just not seeing it coming, too, is really fun. Um, breath play, basically, is anything that requires you to hold your breath or, you know, to not breathe. So that could be smothering. Uh, that could be, um, you know, something involving a gas mask. Or... Um, Big, or you know, even feet. You can just feed on somebody's mouth and nose. I like to do that often with my foot. If somebody's into feet, I'll plug somebody's nose with my toes and put my foot over their mouth. I think that's really fun. Um, <clears throat> and there's there's a zillion things that you can do uh, while you are. Um, doing sensory deprivation, like, you know, I like to sort of fuck with people's minds. 
I often like to get out the violet wands, which is, you know, it's like um electric wand and I find it has more bark than bite. So when I when I turn my violet wand on, if somebody is blindfolded uh during sensory deprivation and I kind of crank that violet wand up, um I know that people get squeamish cuz it, it it sounds like it would be so scary. But to be honest, the electricity transmitted like transmitted rather from the um from the ultraviolet wand um is just stimulating it's it's not something that is harmful or hurtful it's safe unless somebody has a pacemaker so that's something to watch out for so if you're going to play around with electrostimulation like don't do it with somebody with a pacemaker like don't ever fucking do that ever like, I see a lot of sloppy doms out there, and all of this needs to be said. And I also notice I have, a, like, a higher percentage of female listeners than, than um, yeah, than, like, I have a pretty high percentage of females who listen to this. So, so if you're a female and you're interested in doming, great, fucking great. Um, but, you know, you need to be aware of, of certain risks, you know, like the ones I indicated in this podcast about where to hit somebody, where to apply force, you know, um, to have a safe action if a safe word isn't given or able to be given. And then with electrostimulation, uh, just to be cognizant and to ask people if they do have any sort of heart condition or anything like that, because you don't want to go into a scene haphazardly and just do whatever in a sloppy fashion that could have dire consequences. And by dire, I mean for real. Uh, so all of that needs to be sussed out in the beginning of, um, in the beginning of uh, a new client um, appointments. And all you subs out there, if you go see a dom and the dom doesn't ask you certain things about like safe words or whether you have a, any sort of medical conditions... Well, you need to offer that information up because that's fundamental that you're open and honest in order to keep yourself safe. So the onus doesn't completely lie in the doms either. Okay. So this is a, this is a two part thing. Okay. Unless there's more than two people involved. Um, but, uh, back to the sensory deprivation. So the electro wand, yeah, it fucks people's heads up. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, and uh, sometimes I like to like put like lube on a person's like nuts or on their nipples and then use the ultraviolet wand on those areas because it, it transmits more like more of the electricity and to watch people sort of like, you know, move, squirm. I think that's cute. I like that a lot. <laughs> Another one of my moves is I like to, you know, sometimes take out feathers or pinwheels. Pinwheels are great. You know, wheels that have little pins on them. It's exactly like how it sounds. Feels like a knife, almost like when you're being blindfolded. If someone runs a pinwheel along your skin, uh, that's a little bit scary, which makes it awesome. (laughs) So I'm big on that kind of stuff. Um, 
yeah, I, li- I like the element of surprise. I like the heightened, like, idea, like, the idea of, like, already being aroused, but, like, heightened arousal uh, when you are having to submit and and not only are you submitting, but you're blindfolded and you're completely helpless. I mean, I really like that. Um, but uh, let's go back to bondage because I did say I did I did broach um, bondage right before I got into sensory deprivation, and I did mention rope play. But what I didn't mention was handcuffs, obviously handcuffs, and I don't think I need to explain that at all, like at all. <laughs> And then there's also mummification. So mummification is fucking fun. It's really fun. Especially if you, like, you know, maybe you're a person who has a medical fetish, which is far more common than you would think. And a lot of people don't even know they have a medical fetish. Like a lot of people don't know they have a medical fetish who do. Uh, we can get into that another time. But but I really just want to get into different forms of bondage. So, um, yeah, this part's a little bit disjointed, but whatever. If you're listening to me, most likely you've listened to other podcasts. And if you haven't, well, that's okay too. But but uh, I don't fuck around, tend to go deep. Sometimes I'm a bit, you know, sometimes things are a little bit disjointed. But uh, if you're smart enough, if you're clever enough, you'll follow along. Um, so, uh, yeah, mummification. Uh, it can take place in many ways. Um Oftentimes, uh, to have a body bag and like um, a vacuum that sucks all the air out is a way to mummify somebody. There's latex uh, body bags, and you can vacuum like vacuum all the air out. And someone, it's a great way to be like completely confined, like in a little tiny cocoon. It's so fucking fun. I love this sort of bondage. I love it so much. Um, another way that you, there's other, um, types of mummy bags, like leather ones that have many, many ties, um, where you can put somebody in a bag and then use these ties, um, are these like leather sort of, oftentimes they're leather bags or faux leather or whatever. Um, you can, uh, strap someone down and there's something sort of soothing about, not being able to move anything. And like, I think maybe the on some sort of subconscious level, it might remind a human, like again, subconsciously of being in the womb. Like there's something like really soothing about it for a lot of people. Unless, unless a person's like really claustrophobic, the mummification idea is really fucking fun. Like really fun. And even if you are claustrophobic, if you're willing to take that risk, it will help you to get over your claustrophobia because it's been proven in the way that like therapists are using in order to help people who have phobias more and more and more lately is that like a sure proven way to help people to break through phobia is by exposure therapy. So, you know, in the instance that you are claustrophobic, if you find um, a dom that you trust um, who can put you in this sort of situation, um, who knows, it might or might not be able to help you uh, if you're willing to try. Um, so, um, and, and there's, so there's another way in which you can mummify somebody too. And that's with like cellophane, you know? It's an easy way to mummify somebody. I kind of like this way sometimes because 
I can do any size body. Um, I can throw it out afterwards. I don't have to clean it because cleaning latex, in case you haven't listened to my previous episode on latex maintenance, (laughs) all that, latex, you know, latex is a motherfucker to maintain. It's no trivial thing. It's a lot. Um, So the cellophane trick, I I like to use that once in a while. Um, Just like wrap somebody really tight. And then, you know, when I'm done with them, I'll just cut them open. I kind of like, I like the idea of like, cutting a cocoon open like you know i'll tell myself like oh and look you were caterpillar and now you're butterfly you've come out of this and then cut that cellophane open that's really fun all right so um you know what i think i'm just gonna leave this here right now i don't want to uh like talk about too much other stuff because I think that there was a lot of information in there. We covered a lot of stuff today. So I hope you enjoy. I have some interviews coming up with other doms. Stay tuned. They're going to be great. And until then, thanks for joining me. This is Domina Ava Savage, and you can find me on almost everything on Domina Ava Savage. Dot com, DominaAvaSavage at gmail.com, on Instagram as DominaAvaSavage1, the number one, I believe, if I remember correctly, um, and even on OnlyFans under DominaAvaSavage. Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this, and until next time, I'm out. Bye.